Good morning, church. Thanks so much for being with us today, for encouraging those who are around you and the songs that you have been singing, and just by your presence. Man, we are glad that you came out on a cold and chilly day uh, to be here. And aren't you glad it's a little warmer in here today than it was last week? Yes, yeah, a little better. Some of you, I know, brought your blankets. You came prepared this week, and I appreciate that. Uh, you never know what is going to be coming. You know, in fact, David Clark, who's a clinical psychologist, says that public fear is heightened because of something called looming vulnerability. And looming vulnerability is, he explains, is when the danger or threat is off in the distance and it's gradually approaching and it tends to make us even more frightened than if the danger were to appear all of a sudden. And so we end up living in a world of what ifs. What if it's cold when I, when I come in for, for a time of praise and worship with God? What, what if I get sick? And, and what if I can't work? And what if I lose my job? And what if I have to tap into my savings? And, and what if iguanas fall from the sky? Have you guys heard about this? <laughs> Apparently, it is going to be cold enough in South Florida this weekend that there is a danger that iguanas, those lovely cold-blooded animals that they are, they're going to become immobile, and they're going to begin falling out of their tree habitats. Now, how would, how would you like to have that happen to you, right? I mean, you're just walking along, and all of a sudden there's iguanas falling, and actually, here's where my mind went with this. And, and I love, by the way, that on this particular alert, it says, they may fall from trees, but they are not dead. <laughs> Just want everybody to know they're not dead. Just leave them there. Maybe rub their belly a little bit. You know, they'll warm up, pop up, and, and, and off they go. But I was thinking, who saw this happen for the first time? And what went through their mind? <laughs> it just kind of hit me. I'm like, you know, all of a sudden, an iguana falls, and you're like, sweetheart, were there 11 plagues? How, how many were there in the Bible? Which one is this? Because something is ending right now because iguanas are falling from the sky. How about if you got that alert? Maybe your phone lit up and said, hey, iguanas, they're going to be falling. Watch out for them. Man, and all of a sudden you just start getting more and more anxious and you're looking around. Where are the iguanas and where are they going to fall? Oh, man. It, it, it's this... It's so much that our anxiety levels just get topped out because of all these what-ifs. And we talked last week how the word origin of anxiety takes us, it talks about taking us by the throat and suffocating us and enslaving us. We no longer live on our own terms. And, and like Will talked about, it just starts calling the shots in our life. And, and we just feel frozen and we cannot move because of all of the concerns that we have. The Old Testament songwriters frequently used a word to convey the idea of that kind of constraint. Now, it's translated in our Bibles as human distress, but the word literally means a narrow space, right? It's a narrow space. It's that feeling you get when the walls are closing in. When you go to Rock City and you, you go through the fat man's squeeze. And by the way, Aren't you glad it's called fat man squeeze and not fat lady squeeze? That would just have been inappropriate, right? But, but what about all the guys that have been fat shamed because of that through the years, right? But we got that fat man squeeze that in, you end up going through. We just feel it just, just cutting everything off. It's like being at home all day long with the kids and the walls start to close in. Or all day at home with your parents. It's looking at the same four walls day in and day out. And maybe you've been living in this, in this narrow space. Maybe this is just your life where it just seems that over and over again that, that you just are living out this idea where everything is closing in. If so, you also need to know that those 
singers in the Psalms filled their pages with the antonym of that idea of narrow space. Over and over again, their songs also had a word that signified open space. It was yasha, and it's often translated salvation. In fact, it is the, the base word for Jesus. So it's appropriate that we are called then into the open space of God as, as we are called into the presence of his son. That's what is, we, are, we are talking about. That's what God is offering us. So understand, look, we live in anxious times, but we also live in the kingdom of God. And so last week, we focused our attention on Paul's words to kingdom people coming from Philippians chapter 4. And he said, don't be anxious about anything. And he wrote this phrase in a tense that implies that it's an ongoing state. It's this life of continual worry and dread that he's trying to address. And maybe he's addressing it right now in your life. And this is something that, man, this is what you really need for right here, for where you're living, and for the last two years of the things that have been happening and going on. You see, God does not want you to live a life of perpetual anxiety. He doesn't want you to face day after day with fear and dread. He's made you for more than just life-stealing worry. He's made you for something better. Now look, it's impossible for us not to be impacted and affected by, by worrisome circumstances. But we do not have to be the source or the transmitter of, of those anxious feelings. We can actually develop and be able to respond to anxiety in a more measured way instead of just reacting all the time when the iguanas begin falling from the sky. Dr. Peter L. Steinke is an internationally recognized leadership consultant. And he refers to this capacity to self-manage as having a non-anxious presence. I want you to think about that, a non-anxious presence. It's the ability not to be anxious in the moment. It's the ability that you are in an anxious moment, but you're able to be controlled and you're able to respond in a way that is, is not at the same level of the crisis situation that you're a part of. Now, it's this composure that Paul is going to point us to when in Philippians chapter 4, he says this in verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Your gentleness. Now, when you first read that, you, you might be thinking that Paul is wanting his readers to be tender and kind. And, and can't we use a little more of that in our world these days, for sure. But the word that's translated as gentleness describes the temperament that is a seasoned and mature individual. It envisions this attitude that is fitting for the occasion. It is level-headed. It is tempered. It's the mild manner definition of gentleness that Paul is referring to and what he is pointing us toward. The gentle response is one that is steady and one that is even-handed. It's one that, where there is fairness. It's the opposite of panic and, and reaction and then even overreaction. And Paul encourages that we have this kind of attitude and we make it evident to all. Guys, your family members need to see this kind of attitude. Your friends should sense a difference. Your co-workers should benefit from it. You know, others might be running from the hills, but the gentle person is sober-minded and clear-thinking. Author Max Licato describes this type of attitude as being contagiously calm. Contagiously calm. It's the attitude that reminds others that God is in control. 
God is in control, and, and it positively reinforces and influences them to seek God's peace. You see, our response to anxiety-producing events should point others to God. It should be pointing others to the comfort that God gives. It should be pointing others to the relaxation that comes from being in his presence. So here, I want you to think about the events of the last few years, okay? Think about all that's gone on the last 24 months and all the different changes that have come into your life and and all the different things that you're having to do now that you were not having to do before and, and all the concerns and all the different alerts and all of the newscasts and everything. I want you to think about that. How has your response been to that? How have you responded over these last couple of years to the constant barrage of of news alerts and and messages? How about just when you think about the CDC, has that demonstrated calm or chaos in your life? How did you handle the past election cycle? Have you contributed to the peacefulness or the anxiousness of your family? Does your house now look like you're prepping for a, a zombie apocalypse? And for those of you who heard two years ago that, that you were in the danger zone due to your age and pre-existing medical conditions, how have you responded? How, how have you adjusted, by the way, with, with changes that have come about in your church life? How about the, how about the restaurant closures and, and not being able to see friends and family in hospitals and And how about being on again, off again when it comes to to schooling? Have all the events of the last two years, have they just caused you to become so worried that even your cats at home are nervous? I mean, we live in anxious times. But we also live in the kingdom of God. And while it is true that the events of the past two years have impacted us psychologically and, and physically and emotionally and relationally and spiritually, It's also true that through all the social distancing and and all those periods of virtual school and virtual work and and virtual church, that there has never been a single moment when you or I have had to face life without God. It's why Paul follows up the gentleness truth with, with this idea. He says, look, the Lord is near. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. It's God's constant reminder throughout Scripture. He told Abraham, do not be afraid, for I am your shield. Hagar, he said, don't be afraid, because God has heard you. Isaac was told, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Joshua, he heard, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And then in the ultimate sign and and declaration of communion, God sent Jesus to be Emmanuel, God with us. So never assume that God is watching from a distance. Never believe that voice that whispers that, you know what, God's just left you. And you're all alone in this. It's one thing to face a crisis, but it's another to face a crisis alone. But the Lord is near. And over these last two years, if you have learned anything, I hope it is the fact that you have never had to do life without God. And that no matter what comes, no matter what generational type crisis or experience comes, that you can survive because, yes, these are anxious times, but also, yes, you are part of the kingdom of God. And that's good stuff. That's good news. So choose to be the person that clutches to the presence of God with both hands. Shout out with the psalm writer, the Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. 
Man, that's good stuff. That's how we need to go into the classroom. It's how we need to go into the job interview. It's how we need to go out in every aspect of our life. No matter what is coming, the Lord is with me, and so I'm not going to be afraid. And because we are not alone, because the Lord is near, we do not have to live lives that are continually anxious. And that's Paul's point. He says, the Lord is near, do not be anxious. Now, now remember, your Bibles did not come with verses and chapters and, and all that kind of stuff, okay? Those things were, were put together later in order for it to be easier to, to understand. But initially, this was just, this was a letter. This was a letter that was written to the people of God. And the way this letter flows, without the chapters and the verses, the, the words of verses 5 and 6 were to be read together and linked together. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. They were intended to go together like Shaggy and Scooby, right? You can't say one without the other. You don't think of one without the other. And talk about some anxious dudes, right? They go together, Shaggy and Scooby, just like Batman and Robin. Now, I don't know how much these guys were paid years ago, but it was not enough. All right, they, they did not make enough money to get in those costumes. I just, ha I just have to tell you. But, but you can't think of, of Batman without, without also thinking without thinking about Robin. And then there's peanut butter and jelly. And whatever Batman and Robin got, these two should have got it as well. I mean, they, they look really happy to have had their picture made and, and to be going wherever it is that they're going. But, but look, peanut butter and jelly, Batman and Robin, Shaggy and Scooby, the Lord is near, so do not be anxious about anything. The Lord is near, so don't worry. So you might remember that a couple of years ago, right as we began this whole social distancing and all this virtual messaging that we began to do as a church that well, I encouraged all of you to, to go home and make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, right? I said, while you're at home with the kids, just, just go and make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And, and while you're putting the peanut butter there on the bread, I want you to announce out loud, the Lord is near. And as you're spreading that peanut butter, I said, just to say, hey, look, God is here and, and I'm not alone. And, and then you get the jelly and you put it and you start rubbing it in and, and you declare how that... You have, you have peace, that you don't have to be anxious. You declare that you're not going to worry, and you say out loud, I am not afraid. And it was a great little tool to be able to use because you get your, your PB and you get your J and you put them together, you've got a great snack, and it's a, a physical, it's a visual reminder of how the, the presence of God brings peace. And then with each bite, you, you invite that peace into your home. And, and I know I heard from some of you that you, you did that, and that was something that you did with your kids, and that you also did individually for yourself. But, but you might also remember that while I was sharing this idea, some of you are going to remember this. I, I got a picture here to remind you that I placed the knife that I used to spread the jelly back into the peanut butter jar. And by doing that, I raised the anxiety level of, of, of the majority of the people who were watching that particular weekend. Right? It was just me trying to make a lesson about anxiety real for you. That's what I was doing. Right? I was just trying to be a really good communicator. And I promise that although some of you were shrieking in horror at home, there was no peanut butter hurt in the making of the message. But it was a good reminder. I think it was a good reminder that even with the best of intentions and preparations, anxiety can appear out of nowhere. I wasn't thinking as I was talking and making that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I wasn't thinking as I, as I took that knife that was covered with jelly and stuck it back into that peanut butter jar. It wasn't my intent. It wasn't something that was planned. It was just something that happened. 
And sometimes that's just how life goes, guys. Anxiety-producing moments can come even with the best of intentions and even with the best of plans. Anxiety just appears out of nowhere. The disciples found this out firsthand one night. Jesus asked them to go and join him on an evening cruise across the Sea of Galilee. And, and then suddenly we're told in Matthew that a furious storm came up upon the lake. Now, now the way this lake is situated, it's in a basin surrounded by mountains, and it is susceptible to, to strong winds that can come through and, and sudden violent storms. It's something that would happen often. Matthew would remember this event, and he would say it was like an earthquake that had begun and shook the water. Mark would write about it, and he would say that they were in a tiny boat that was caught up in a hurricane. Luke would record the seriousness of the moment by saying that this band of brothers were in great danger. You see, there were high winds that were breaking over the boat, and the boat began to fill with water, and, and the disciples were doing all that they could to try to stay alive. And Jesus, well, Jesus was over there sleeping. He was sleeping. He had his head on a cushion. He wasn't paying any attention to the voices of Peter or James or John. Matthew and Bartholomew, they're yelling the best that they can, but he's asleep. And then finally, over the thunder and the wind, they're able to go and get his attention, and they ask him a very important question. They say, don't you care that we're about to drown? Hey, man, wake up. We're going down. Now the disciples, they're beside themselves with panic and, and they were certain that this was going to be the end and it was an all-hands-on-deck moment. It was time for everybody, including Jesus, to get up and do something. Now I just wonder if that sounds familiar. Does it sound familiar? It's time for everybody to do their part. How many news briefings and internet articles have you been paying attention to over the last two years? How many conversations have you had about the COVID-19 responses of your city or your business or your school or your church. Restaurants that closed and then reopened and now struggling to find workers. Over the last couple of years, government agencies have scrambled to respond only to, to struggle with mixed messaging that's frustrating everybody. Vaccines were quickly rolled out only to produce suspicion and arguments. Hospitalizations increased then they decreased. And they increased again. Students and teachers have felt like yo-yos over the last couple of years. You're in person, now you're not. You're in person, now you're not. Oh, you're in person, and we're going to be in person. No, we're not. We're not going to be in person now for a while. And you've done your part. You've stayed at home. You've washed your hands. You've worn masks. You've distanced yourself. You got the shot. You got the booster, and yet for many of you, you still got sick. How have you handled each unexpected storm? Has your gentle, level-headed response been evident to everybody that's around you? Has your family said, you know what, dad's really handled the last two years well? Do your kids say, you know what, mom has been a source of peace for us in the midst of this? The people that you work with say, man, I don't know how we would have gotten through these last couple of years if it wasn't for your presence with us and the way that you kept everybody calm. Or, like the disciples, 
Have you let your anxiety just get the best of you? Specifically, have you allowed the anxiety of past and present circumstances to cause you to question the character of God? See, the disciples go and they wake up Jesus and they say, Teacher, don't you care? Don't you care about what's happening? Don't you care about what's going on? See, they, ob they observed Jesus' non-anxious presence and decided that he was not responding the way that he should. I mean, why wasn't he helping bail water? And why wasn't he frantically running, running from stem to stern? Their conclusion was, well, he just doesn't care. Because if he cared, he would be up doing something. And they allowed their panic to influence their perception. They allowed their panic, they allowed their anxiety to influence the way that they saw Jesus and the way that they thought about God. And I just wonder if we've started to do the same. I mean, after 24 months of this pandemic, have you begun to question God's goodness and concern? Have you made up your mind that God should be responding? I mean, it's easy to do. We've offered up all kinds of prayers through the years. And our inability to control our current situation, well, it just encourages us to question the one that actually does control the universe. We become so frustrated. We become angry. And it comes out not only in the way that we speak to our God, but also in the way that we talk to our kids and in the way that we handle our, all the other relationships and the way that we treat people at church and the way that we talk to the, the grocer. And it, it just impacts all of the areas of our life. Jesus woke up. He woke up, he looks around, and he rebukes the wind and the waves. He says, silent, be still. If you've studied that story before, you know that there was a great calm that was then upon the water. And it was then and there that I believe the disciples learned a lesson that we also desperately need to understand, not just, not just with our head, but with our heart. Friends, true peace is only found in the presence of God. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. You see, we've read that scripture before, and then we've run out and been wringing our hands. We've read that scripture, and then we have quickly opened up our phone and, and scrolled all the different news feeds and all the different things on Twitter and trying to find out what's the next and greatest crisis that's going to be coming along. We've read that before, but we haven't allowed it to change the way that we act. We've read it before, but we've allowed the circumstances of our life. We've allowed the falling iguanas to cause us to question the presence of God. We're told the disciples were amazed when everything stopped and calmed down. It says that the fear of the storm then was replaced with an awe for Jesus because they were in the presence of the awesome God that Derek has led us in today. And so as we move forward, as we move forward as a church, as we move forward as just individuals, as a society, as we move forward with what is a generational impactful moment of chaos. That's what this pandemic has been. Generational impact. People will be feeling this 
for years and decades to come. We need to understand that there will always be jelly knives that end up in our peanut butter jars. We can't escape it. It will happen. But before you tell God what panics you, tell what panics you about your God. Tell your loneliness and cabin fever about your God's abiding presence. Tell your uncertainty about your God's continual steadfastness. Tell your worries and your fears about the God who still storms and, and calm seas and the God who cures viruses. Don't allow, don't allow your panic to influence your perception. True peace is only found in the presence of God. The Lord is near, so don't be anxious. Yeah, you guys know that I'm, I'm a big football fan. Yeah, I love football, and it doesn't really matter what type. I mean, if there's football going on, I, I watch preseason football, you know. I'm, I'm going to watch this USFL football thing that's going to come back up here in the spring just because it's football. Now, I love going to games, middle school, high school, college. It, it, it doesn't matter. I, I enjoy it all. And I think part of it is the, is the atmosphere that, that's also surrounding it, right? I mean, you, you go to a football, and maybe you don't like football. Maybe it's another sporting event that you enjoy. But you go and you're, you're a part of that. And, man, you just get caught up in all the emotion, right? You just get caught up in everything that's going on. And, and man, you're high-fiving people that you never have met before. And you're, you're hugging total strangers. And it's just, this, it's just this great moment, right? All right. We get so excited about those games. And it's so much fun to be involved in about stuff that doesn't matter. But there is something today that does matter. So here's what I want us to do. I, I want us to end our time here within this message this morning. And I want us to, to end it, all right, by doing something that you guys regularly do at, at, at sporting events, okay? You regularly do this at sporting events. And, and you regularly do this about things that don't matter at all. And this is something that's important. This is something that will change your life. And so here's what we're going to do, okay? This side, you guys are the Lord is near, Okay? Say it with me. You ready? The Lord is near. You guys, wait, that was, that was, hang on. One more time. You ready? The Lord is near. All right. You guys, don't be anxious. All right, one more time. All right, here we go. Are you ready? Right? All right, now here we go. Ready? Okay, now, this side. You're going to stand up. We're going to start with you. Stand up. Ready? We do it at sporting events all the time. Ready? Go. Stand up. What do you say? Go. Why? Why? One more time. Now, everybody. Man, that is good stuff. And it will change your life because it's not just something that gets preached. It is something that gets lived. And so what we encourage you to do this week, no matter what knife ends up in your peanut butter jar, go out and live as if the Lord is near and don't be anxious. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for reminding us that we are not alone and we have never faced anything alone. 
And thank you for reminding us that over these last two years, as difficult as they have been, and with all the changes and with all the different things that have happened that have, have shook us so many to our core and, and, and have challenged us mentally and, and emotionally, physically and spiritually, thank you for reminding us that we have not been by ourselves through this. Thank you for your presence. And may we remember that it brings peace to our lives. So let us not live a life of perpetual and continual anxiety. Instead, let us live a life of confidence and, and help us to be courageous. And Father, we know that there's going to continue to be things that come up, things that we don't expect. There's going to be issues that are going to be very trying and there's going to be very troubling times that are going to come into our life. But may we hold on to the promise that you are present and because of that, Father, we don't have to be anxious because you are in control. And maybe, Father, that's what we need to, maybe that's what we need to do right now. We just need to, to turn over and give our anxiety truly to you. And so as we pray and as you listen to the individual prayers of each person in this room, I, I just ask that you take all the anxieties and all the things that, that are being worried over right now and can you replace those with peace because we understand that you are with us and your presence is here. Remind us of that not only today when we're in this room, but remind us of it this week as we're driving down the road and remind us when we're in the, back in the classroom, hopefully, and remind us when we're at work and wherever it is that we're going to be going. Remind us that you are with us, that we are not alone, and we do not have to fear anything. These are anxious times, but Father, you have placed us inside your kingdom. And because of that, we can live confident. We can live confident in your presence. So, Father, we say thank you for allowing us to be here today, allowing us to be here and to be reminded of your presence. And so we lift up our voices to you and give you praise in all that we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a song together. We want you to know that if you are burdened by anxiety and would like to talk about this further, some of our elders will be in our prayer room, which is located in our lobby that is just beyond the doors in the back. If you will walk out there, you'll see it. There's a sign that says prayer room, and you're welcome to go there and speak to one of our elders about anything that might be on your heart right now and something you might be struggling with. If you'd like to know more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to, to be baptized into Christ, and, and what that entails and what that means for your life and your relationship with God, we'd love to talk with you about that. Guys, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious. So let's give him praise.